1: Hey, everyone, and welcome to the newest edition, the Tuesday, August 10th edition of the RotoWire NFL podcast brought to you by WinBet. I'm Joe Bartle, and as always, alongside me on Tuesdays here is Jake Latarski. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports, Jake at Roto Jake. Uh, obviously, today's headline, right? Uh, our draft day dilemmas. We've had a couple of different drafts start at the RotoWire office itself. We had my Beat Joe Bartle NFFC draft take place last night, and my Twitter teaser actually seemed to work. People were relatively interested in the office jake was just uh frothing at the mouth to go ahead and see what we're talking about there before we do that though we're going to get a little bit of a breakdown on the training camp news and notes that have occurred over the past two days and, and there's a bit of action uh to go there so without further ado uh i just want to start out and say jake how's it going today like which are you excited for this podcast as i am i know it's going to be talk about myself a lot so i know you're really excited about that part
2: Yeah, you know we're gonna cover a lot of audiences today. We're gonna do a lot of uh, a lot of news because uh, you know Jeff had a guest on yesterday, so we'll try to run through more of the weekend's camp news. Get into a little bit. Yeah, I know there's some preseason DFS degenerates out there that might care about who's starting and whatnot. So we can do this. In quick hitter form, and then yeah, I noted a couple of draft day dilemmas. One that a lot of you guys might have out there. One a little more, you know, a little more specific that we can talk about the rookie wide receiver class a little bit, and also tie into some other cam news. So it all brings together, and we can even talk about your fantasy league a little bit, especially given the uh, the first round that that you said you had. I caught a peek of it, and he's like, "No," he turns his computer away, and I saw the third overall pick. He's like, "No, no, 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 no. you have to do a live reaction. Exactly, you have to do a live yeah. reaction on the show." So. I guess that's
1: what it's going to be. We're going to give it a live reaction and uh, see what happens. Hope for the best. Cool. All right. Before we get to the news and notes, let's get a word from our sponsors, Winbet, who, of course, are sponsoring this podcast. If there's one thing we appreciate here at RotoWire, it's making good decisions, and even with more so, making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with RotoWire's newest partner, Winbet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBook is now the exclusive sponsor for wires Fantasy Podcast, and WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, and live betting, uh, and really so much more at your fingertips. If you want a break from sports betting, you can head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on the roulette, double down on blackjack, slant the slots, uh, or even try our hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T, WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's Fantasy Podcast. All right, so let's get to this news in action that's occurred over the last two days, starting first uh, with Saquon Barkley activated from the Pup List. The expectation seems to be that he'll be ready for week one, although an Ian Rappaport uh, report, from this weekend said at latest, it could be week three. I think his ADP is kind of falling somewhere in that six to 12 range. And until we get a solid date, I imagine there's going to be a lot of ambiguity with him, but what's your thoughts, Jake?
2: Yeah. Again, we'll try to keep this to quick hitters. I'm warming up to the idea of Saquon Barkley. I'm starting to like the idea that I can maybe find him early in the second round. I'm not really ready to go up past, let's say, eight in the draft right now just yet. I would need some more positive news to be able to do that.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I think I'm, I'm with you on that one. Again, we'll have a few drafts mm-hmm. that we went over the past couple days. That we he can- does.
2: I, I want to add one more thing. He does seem to me, you know, you look at you scroll through the Instagram and you see, you know, you see the media around him. He looks like he's one of those crazy physical freaks and a, freak of nature athletes similar to adrian peterson we saw what happened to adrian peterson he can bounce back from this from that injury barkley's young enough that he could do it and i'm telling myself that to warm up for it to warm up to this idea and warm up to maybe sneaking him at the end of the first round but uh i haven't quite put my money where my mouth is on that yet
1: people who are just listening to the podcast and not watching the youtube version shame on you guys uh first off but you're you're missing my like little uh grin that i have going on so you, your analysis is based off of saquon barkley instagram pictures oh are yes we- yeah wow. of course dude he is jacked hey how i, I guarantee you looked at aj dylan's quad
2: pictures last offseason got real excited for the Packers, right yeah, yeah exactly quadzilla right <laughs> saquon barkley's not that far off that dude is jacked i'm not he just he looks like he's ready to go and not not like professional athletes are ever going to be in too bad a shape unless you're like ben Roethlisberger disagrees. Unless, hey. Ben Roethlisberger is looking a little trim now, by the way, he came in the can't, he, he looked on the sidelines of those games. You know, he looks like he's maybe yeah, maybe I jo- I look just as trim as Ben Roethlisberger. Congrats Ooh, yeah. to us. <laughs> okay. I, I don't really want to be compared to him in any way, but, uh, but yeah, we can move on. Well, I, anyway, the point being is uh Saquon Barkley, even with the knee injury, like looks, the legs look to be a tremendous physical shape and I, and I'll leave it at that.
1: All right. I'll, I'll take your word and your Instagram knowledge on, uh, on this with Saquon Barkley. Let's move over to Anthony Furkser evidently could have been knocked down on the depth chart by Jeff Swaim, of all people, it's possible. Mm-hmm. Right, Johnny Smith obviously moved over to, the, over to the Patriots, was the top tight end for the Titans. A lot of people, myself included, have been thinking Anthony Ferkshire is the top guy and maybe behind Julio Jones will be the third passing option for the Titans. Well, that's not the case early on. At least that's what you've been seeing, Jake. Yeah, so we got an email
2: to our customer support this morning asking, well, what, where's Jeff Swaim in your, in your software or your, or your app? And I'm and I'm laughing and I'm thinking, ah, Jeff so Swaim, <laughs> it reminds me of the guy that like six years ago was like, why isn't Mr. Brady Quinn projected? He's a <laughs> you know, except he was a fourth stringer, barely making a team. And, I, and in my head, I'm thinking that. But then I looked and I'm like, oh, geez, they actually released the depth chart. And Jeff Swaim is somehow on top of that depth chart. And uh, so I didn't see that one coming. Obviously, I'm not drafting Jeff Swaim for the heck of it. But uh Or in any league or in any matter, I mean, two tight end league, last pick of the draft, we can probably do something along those lines. But, um, I don't, uh, this doesn't change a whole lot. Firkser, I just checked his two week ADP is down to tight end 23. So you can pretty much give him, you can get him for nothing too, you know, at this point, especially in single tight end leagues. He's going to be left out there available. So he might be an early watch list guy. Um, I don't know. My strategy with tight ends is always grab one of the top three if I can. Otherwise, just punt it. So if I'm just punting it, you know, maybe I'll snag him at the end. But if I'm grabbing one of the top three, I'm not picking up the backup tight end until I need him. Jake, you're spoiling my NFFC draft. What are you doing? That's, oh, that's the strategy I apply. I swear I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it at all yet. So uh, this <laughs> how is can I do live reaction? This is going to be a
1: full on I reaction.
2: You dropped the screenshot at the very very bottom I of did, our yes. document. Yeah. So just
1: just to hide for you. I mm-hmm. agree with you. And Anthony Furkshire if I was to be drafting a tight end, with, uh, in that range has always been my tight end two or tight end three. And I think still at that price it makes sense. Um, the Chargers, for example, listed Justin Jackson as their backup behind Austin Eckler. That means Joshua Kelly, their fourth round pick last year is like third or fourth in the depth chart. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. I think in some ways, these early depth chart releases are meant to ignite a fire in some of these players. And maybe Anthony Furkshire is that guy. And you could go another way with this, especially at tight end. Sometimes these teams like to use blocking specialists in particular, particular or similar that effect. I'm not sure Jeff Swain necessarily fits that category, but I'm not all this. I'm not, I'm not moved off from Anthony Furkshire yet just because of one week uh, with the depth chart. release. That's yeah. Uh, you think
2: in a 14 team or, you can get him in the last round basically. And that's probably a good thing for you. Yeah.
1: Uh, Jacob Eason and uh, Ellinger. Is it Sam Ellinger? I, I'm I'm doing without memory. Sam Ellinger, right? I've got Sam Ellinger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger are actually sharing reps in Indy. And this follows a, a tumultuous last week where Jacob Eason more or less failed in his first team rep opportunities. I, I think you look at some of the comments that Frank Reich made, um, I think on the Thursday or Friday practice that I was watching, or at least watching the beat of it. And he was kind of suggesting, we don't want to move off Jacob Eason yet as the starter, but Ellinger's been doing enough where it's possible that he should be considered in that capacity. Sure enough, we see them start to split first team reps. Mm -hmm. At this point with the Colts quarterback situation, it's a difficult endeavor to really find any fantasy value Mm -hmm. out of it, whether it's Carson Wentz and waiting for him or Eason, maybe getting three or four rounds, Ellinger too. I like... It's a whole stay away scenario. And you mentioned yeah. it a couple of podcasts ago with T.Y. Hilton as one of your fades. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I think you're still in that direction, even if it's oh, at yeah. quarterback instead of Eason.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. whoever. I, I mean, it doesn't really matter to me. I might, I might take a little bit of a Michael Pittman discount in a deeper league. And of course I've got him in a dynasty league that I'm happy about mm-hmm. at least the long-term outlook, but they're not sticking with this. Are they? I mean, they're going to trade for Nick Foles or sign somebody. I don't think you can roll into week one with either of those guys as your starting quarterback. So. Um, this is a borderline – if you're drafting this week, do you even take either of them in a two-quarterback or a super flex league? Y- y- I don't think you really can. You get, there's backups that are going to be better. Like you take Trey Lance before either right. of those yeah, guys, yeah, that's like you the know what I mean? Yeah. You know, they, well, Granted, that's the first, yeah, the first one on the list, but like, yeah, you're taking backups before those guys.
1: Yeah. And Jimmy Garoppolo you think is the presumed starter at that point too. And there's a few scenarios. Yeah. I think in a two QB league that you're like 12 or 14 teams, you can make a case for Ellinger. I actually think Ellinger has more upside than Eason does. Uh, I, and it's mainly based off of the type of comments that we've been seeing out of the Indianapolis camp right now, where they are just, they're just unloading, it feels like, on Easton as a guy that is not even capable of being a backup, much less a starter. Um, that's that's at least the reports I've seen. So we'll kind of have to monitor that this precinct is going to be huge for the Colts quarterback situation because you're right. It, you would imagine they're going to go ahead and acquire a veteran or something to that effect. But if there aren't unavailable and that roulette of quarterbacks really happened early in the offseason, you might be stuck with an Alger and Easton. And if that's the case, in a deeper 2QB format, you might have to go that direction. Uh, but mm-hmm. again, we'll have to see. Very rough. No, no, Aaron Rodgers in the preseason. I guess that's not surprising. Probably one of his uh, demands that the packer that he made with the Packers when he decided to join. I don't think he's been in the preseason the last couple of years any yeah. more than a, a drive or two. Mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised by that. Yeah, I'm skimming um, the
2: headlines and jotting stuff down, and and that's one of them that uh, you know made our top news, which is I guess that's good because that means there haven't been any serious major injuries yeah. here. Mm-hmm. As I hammer on this wooden <laughs> table, uh, but no, I, I mean. I don't want to see him play the preseason. What is, no. He has absolutely nothing to gain. So no, there's, there's, I completely agree with you on that it's one. It's really and a non-story.
1: Then, uh, J.K. Dobbins listed as a co-starter with Gus Edwards for the preseason game one. Mm-hmm. Also not surprising, you and I have been pretty famously, and I say that in you know air quotes, famously, been doing board bets uh, with Culver's uh, rewards mm-hmm. on the line for a number of years. I actually broke the Culver's board bet streak already to start the year with one of our uh, good colleagues, and a friend of mine, Harry, uh, who's on the tech team over here, and also stupidly smart, unfair smart, really it feels mm-hmm. like. Uh, and I had I said I think J.K. Dobbins will have more rushing yards than Ezekiel Elliott at the end of the year. I'm Ooh-hoo. kind of walking that back a little bit now because it looks like Zeke <laughs> is actually in good shape and everything else like that. But, no, I think if Dobbins plays the entire season and Zeke plays the entire season, that offense is perfectly suited for Dobbins to go off and as a mid-second-round pick where his current ADP is. Mm-hmm. I, I will gladly take Dobbins if I want a running back. That's a different question if you want a running back in, mm-hmm. in the second round, but I love Dobbins for his value. Are you high on are you as high on Dobbins as I am? Yeah, you said mid second
2: round. You're gonna love where I got him in the rotowire invitation. No, we're, don't tell me. We're gonna, we're gonna talk about that. Um I actually had a I, I had a tough dilemma, and that'll be one of our first dilemmas that we get to uh, a little bit later on in the show. So I'll, I'll tell you how much I love uh, J.K. Dobbins, maybe 10, 15 minutes here. We'll see.
1: Okay, all right. Uh, we have Kenny Galladay still sidelined with his hamstring injury. Makes complete sense since the timeline was about two to three weeks since yep. he suffered the injury. He should be available for week one. I'm completely out, though, on Kenny Galladay as is. I think Daniel Jones as a quarterback makes me a little bit concerned. Mm-hmm. That offensive line has not improved dramatically, and I think the Giants' offense as a whole – isn't really a functional one right now. Yeah. And that makes me concerned with Saquon Barkley too. Yeah. He just went more like later in the first.
2: Gallaudet just went in the sixth round. Um, Okay. Sure. I'm I'm glad that, uh you know, you pushed another good player back towards me coming back, I guess. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty out on him. I mean, there's, there's a ceiling there. I suppose he is what I would consider is a, a, a good player. But the circumstances are just awful, and I believe it's some kind of soft tissue injury. We say he's going to be back for Week One. Mm-hmm. Then what happens when we see LP, LP, or DNP, DNP, LP? Questionable <laughs> right. out, you know. And then nothing drags on to Week Two and Week Three. And uh, I just, I'm not so in. I'm, I'm out on most of that. I'll, I'll take Barkley if the price falls, but the rest of that offense, not so much.
1: Yeah, here's a brutal injury concern for me, and it's actually Galladay's former team, DeAndre Swift. Uh, obviously star running back for the Lions has missed quote unquote significant time significant practice time with a groin injury so there's a number of levels to concern here and I think first obviously is hey this is a guy that had injury issues in college was injured at times last season his rookie year now begins his preseason uh injured we also have the Anthony Lynn effect and I think uh, anybody who's filed the Chargers in past years know how defunct Anthony Lynn tends to be with his offense and We've already heard reports about Jamal Williams being a 1A to Swift's 1B or vice versa. Just any sort of situation where Jamal Williams is going to be a factor makes me concerned when you're missing time for DeAndre Swift. Uh, that being said, like one of the questions I have in the chat right now from Jeff uh, w- Whiteley is that, hey, who's one of the guys that you're drafting in just about every league? It's tough to say as a third-round ADP, which is Swift currently, that yes, I'm going to get him all the time. In fact, in the Air Invitational, I missed him because Chris List took him in the third round. If I have an opportunity, if Swift falls to my pick, I will take him every single time in a full-point PPR league. I love the fact that he, besides TJ Hawkinson, there's nobody underneath from that passing game for the Lions, and I think the Lions might win three games all year, and if that's the case, they're passing a lot, which means Swift could get 60, 70 catches this season. He is mm-hmm. one of my favorite values right now, and the fact that he's missing significant practice time, I think actually only helps ADP, and it's going to hopefully make him fall further. Yeah,
2: I'm not quite as high on Swift as you are. I think I need to see a a significant discount. I don't like, obviously, I don't like the team situation, and I'm starting to—I don't know—I'm starting to get a little bit concerned about uh, about Williams sneaking up in there and getting, you know, you've watched 30 times. You know, he's not that good. He's—he's a decent pass catcher, and he'll spell him. I don't think it'll be—I don't think we're going to see Swift as the surefire workhorse that a lot of people think that that we are. But you know, if he's down to like what—what did you say—the fourth round? He yeah, well, probably- he's in the third
1: round currently, and he, I mean, mm-hmm. like, with this missing significant practice time, he could fall to the fourth. That's yeah, possible. the fourth
2: round, depending on my running back landscape, I know if we're going back to our, our show where we wanted to say well, one of my draft dues, right, is take two running backs in the mm-hmm. first four picks. I'm not about, you know, you don't want to get too married to any strategy, but I'm definitely not about the zero RB strategy this year. And um, so I could see a fourth round pick slip, and, you know, I, I could maybe live with that, but. Um, I don't know. He's not someone I'm targeting aggressively. It just has to be the right circumstances.
1: A couple of wide receivers that have been on the pup list or off the pup list. We have Curtis Samuel first uh, shifting to the pup list. He was on the reserve COVID-19 one, of course, because Washington seems to be one of those teams uh, came off of that one. And now is transitioned back onto the pup. He was before with that groin injury. There's some concern that he still hasn't practiced yet with his new team. However, coach Ron Rivera has downplayed that suggesting He's got plenty of um, time working with Scott Turner uh, in Carolina the past two years as, as kind of a precursor to that offense. Makes me feel a little bit better. Actually, as a spoiler of sorts, I did take Curtis Samuel as my wide receiver, I think, five in the NFFC draft last night. Uh, it was between him and Michael Thomas, and I actually think Curtis Samuel plays more games, and if it ends up being like two more games at minimum – then I think Curtis Samuel is going to outscore Michael Thomas. So if you are looking at some of these injured wide receivers later on in rounds eight or nine or 10, I think Curtis Samuel plays more, but we are getting closer and closer to that point where I have to be more concerned because obviously this public designation is not great.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you go to last two weeks, uh, Curtis Samuel is down at 98 overall in ADP that puts him just ahead of His teammate, Logan Thomas, Kenyon Drake, A.J. Dillon, uh, or I'm sorry, that puts him just behind Logan Thomas, Kenyon Drake, A.J. Dillon, just ahead of LaVisca Chenault, Brandon Cooks, and David Johnson here. So I, I want bad news to keep coming just so I can maybe snag him at a discount in PPR leagues.
1: Yeah, again, as your wide receiver four or five, it reminds me a lot of when you drafted Debo Samuel as your wide receiver six or so last year. And obviously he missed the first six or seven weeks, but was a reliable target. Once that occurred, I think Curtis Samuel will have a shorter timeline and will be equally important, especially in a full point passing offense. Uh, well, a full point scoring in that Washington passing offense. Let's go to Amari Cooper now off the pup list. That's fantastic news, at least for him. Uh, I, I think it ends up kind of being a contract year for Amari Cooper of sorts. And we know Michael Gallup is also in a contract year. That Cowboys offense looks great. And so long as Amari Cooper is healthy, that's fantastic. It just ends up being, is Cooper going to be healthy? We, we've we seen at times he's been injured, but I, I think he's never actually missed a game with the Cowboys. So it, it's mm-hmm. a weird dilemma. Yeah, he's, he's he's played back-to-back 16-game seasons with the Cowboys.
2: Yeah. yeah no, we kind of talked about him uh, a few weeks back ago as one of the possible fades at this price. Of course, mm-hmm. it's good to see him get healthy. Maybe he'll get some preseason action, but, uh, I mean, there's no guarantee he's the number one receiver in that offense even. And C.D. Lamb just continues to get steam and continues to get steam and is getting really elevated up uh, in his ADP. I'm going to check the uh, the two-week number here. I've got tons of tabs up. Um, but let's see, C.D. Lamb is 34 overall in ADP. So he's up to a third-round pick here. He's getting a ton of steam. Uh, you're right about the contracts. This is indeed a contract year for – Michael Gallup and this is also indeed a contract year for a no it's not a contract year for Cooper I think he's already, the,
1: it's more like the the money he could be cut after this season it's oh not
2: uh, yeah I got you he's a 22 million dollar cap hit after right. this season so it's get out there do or die for Amari Cooper here that doesn't necessarily factor into the uh, fantasy decision here so we got Lamb up at 34 Cooper up at 41 I mean people always end up falling back on Cooper because he's the guy that they recognize. Um, but obviously I agree with the ADP
1: and that, in that lamb should be taken before Cooper in drafts uh, moving over to Najee Harris. Obviously the first round running back for the Steelers is expected to get significant work. If you're out there playing DFS preseason week one, there you go. Now I'll say this. We were supposed to get significant work from Najee Harris to start the hall of fame preseason game. And he was out there for the first 18 of the 19 possible snaps. Didn't do a lot, though, with his opportunities mm-hmm. to seven carries for 22 yards. I don't know what significant work uh in this means, like maybe the first quarter or first half. Mm-hmm. Uh If it is the latter, if it is the first half, he probably is pretty significant value from a DFS perspective. I know you and I are both lower on Najee Harris than maybe some of the other colleagues in the fantasy mm-hmm. industry out there. So I'm not exactly... Like this isn't going to confirm or deny my opinions on Najee Harris. Yeah. I think that offensive line for the Steelers is the bigger concern and whether or not they can hold up against actual, you know, uh, I was going to say week one talent, but yeah. starter level talent. Uh, that will be the bigger concern for me.
2: I mean, his line in that first game was seven carries for 22 yards. Right. And I think you're going to yep. see a lot with the Steelers. this year. You're going to see a lot of seven carries, 22 yards, first half. Lines for him behind that. Now, every day you see a new report about his athleticism out of camp. He's hurtling people and tackling drills. He's, you know, he's, you know, the next coming, the next, the next great athlete. You know, that's all well and good. But uh if you can't get anybody to block for you, you're gonna have a, t- a hard time. And you know, maybe he can help himself by getting a good hold on the offense. Uh, you know, maybe his vision will adjust just fine to the NFL level, but it's just it's just overall not a uh not, as positive of a situation as I would have thought here, and he would have to probably go deep into the second round for me to start thinking about it.
1: Yeah, I think I would take. Well, I'm definitely taking Swift over Harris. Okay. I'm taking well, we'll Dobbins see, over Harris. You're, you're, I'll take...
2: I don't think I've seen a draft yet where Swift has been. I know taken before Harris. I know that's well, You haven't
1: watched in my drafts then. Yet.
2: Dobbins over Harris is something that I would probably consider. Are you on board with that?
1: Yep, Dobbins over Swift over, and then I think this one's normal. But I would take Antonio Gibson over. Too. Yeah, probably. Their probably. ADPs are really close. And
2: Aaron Jones, too, right?
1: Yeah, I would take Aaron Jones. Yeah. And Saquon? Yes.
2: And Nick Chubb, and then all the obvious guys. Nick so. Chubb,
1: okay. I'm taking top five if I can. What yeah, so about? yeah,
2: for real. Yeah, we love Nick <laughs> Chubb. <laughs> this we're is Chubb. a
1: pro-Nick <laughs> Chubb podcast. <laughs> we're, sure. we're a Chubb
2: podcast, that's for sure. <laughs> all right, take final, night,
1: <laughs> final news for the training camp edition here, or training camp the last two days. Drew Locke is going to get the preseason game one start over Teddy Bridgewater. Now, of course, that means... Almost nothing uh, when it comes to the actual week one stuff. Mm-hmm. But again, just a reminder the Broncos have a pretty heated quarterback competition now that they're unable to pry away Aaron Rodgers from the Packers. Uh, Locke, obviously, the incumbent in his struggle at times. Today, Bridgewater, newcomer, a little bit less of a throw power of sorts. But there's a lot of weapons in Denver. And if they do end up hitting on the right quarterback, whether it is Bridgewater or Locke, there's an opportunity for them to be fantasy relevant, even in a one QB format, uh, kind of as a QB two or even later. Um, but certainly in two QB formats, too, I think you can make a case for mm-hmm. Locke being on our podcast quite a bit as the free agent edition of the roto shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: he'll definitely be a guy that we're going to talk about in the streaming section just about every week when we have good, uh, again, provided he won- wins the job here. Now, he's got nasty weapons here. Sutton, Judy, Hamler's supposed to be good. Tim Patrick was serviceable last year. Your boy year. Noah Fant. I was just going to get to that. The one part of the Denver offense that I'm actually going to aggressively target is Noah Fant. Because, yeah, there were a couple of drops last year. He can fix that. He has got, you know, some. he's got athleticism just as good or better than any NFL tight end. And if I'm not getting the big three of Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, um, no offense, the first guy I'm targeting later on in drafts.
1: Yeah, I think there's a, a good case for him to be made as one of those uh, like tight end six through ten range. He's the high upside play, whereas if you're looking for safer production, Logan Thomas fits that category, even at Dallas Goddard, although with Zach Ertz. Seemingly back with Philadelphia, maybe that does cut into his workload. That's probably a different conversation for a different day. So that does it for us in the training camp portion of this podcast. Right again, we kind of covered both Monday and Tuesday news. There's going to be a lot of other action, I'm assuming, throughout the week as we kind of gear up for this first week of preseason action. Again, we're going to have NFL games now, or at least football games in general, until February, whether it be college or NFL. I'm excited about that. So uh, Mm -hmm. good news all around if you are a football fan. Let's get a word from our sponsors, Dynasty Owner. Are you tired of the same old fantasy football leagues that get canceled after a year or so? If that's the case, Dynasty Owner has your back. Go to dynastyowner.com. New leagues for the 2021 season are forming right now. Dynasty Owner unites the fun and excitement of fantasy football with the skill and strategy of the front office by incorporating a salary cap and real NFL player salaries for diehard fantasy football fans that want the real GM experience. Dynasty Owner adds a whole new level of strategy to the fantasy world. Are you worried that you won't be able to find anyone to play in your league with? Well, don't, because Dynasty Owner can help you fill your league with fantasy football enthusiasts like yourself. You won't have to worry about finding enough players, and you can choose to start a league, join an existing one, or purchase a team from a previous owner. If you're serious about joining the big leagues, go to DynastyOwner.com and start your Dynasty today. We had the Dynasty Owner guys on, I think, last week, Wednesday or two weeks to Wednesday with Jeff. I'm in his dynasty owner league right now, along with uh, my colleague, Jerry Donabedian. I'm excited for that one. I have Lamar Jackson, who is going to be on hopefully one last year of a solid contract. Obviously, Josh Allen just got paid big money this weekend. Uh, Lamar and Baker, are the next two up to go out of that class. We'll have to see. Uh, but it is a is a very challenging and rewarding experience, I think, from that. So let's get to the like actual portion of our podcast, right? The draft day dilemmas. I had a few drafts at the NFFC. We have uh, I have at least two slow drafts going right now. I think you have one too, Jake. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you kind of outlined a couple of different what would I do in these scenario things? And I think it's gonna be an interesting one to kind of go through together because I think we have obviously different opinions. Do you want to kind of give a yeah precursor for okay, us? so the
2: first one I wrote down, uh, I was drafting um I was drafting first overall, so I've, I took McCaffrey first. Now coming back for the next turn in a twelve team league, I had to pick two out of these three. And I narrowed it down to J.K. Dobbins, Kittle, and Justin Jefferson. So I don't know what's going to work great for this uh, show format, but you tell me which two you think I should have taken, and I'll tell you which two that I did take.
1: Coming back from the second round.
2: Yeah, so my last pick of the second,
1: first pick of the third round. Okay, so if you're going to go one, two. For me personally, we've talked about strategy-wise, how we're making our our lineups. J.K. Dobbins is the automatic one. Of those three... It's a pretty definitive point. I want at least one top tier running back. Ideally, I've selected that in the first round. And then if the draft board breaks this way, Dobbins is a very clear running back, too. And we've talked about the upside for Dobbins. I think he can outrush Ezekiel at the season, especially if Lamar Jackson is healthy. And we anticipate he is now after his second stint with uh, COVID. That that will make things incredibly good for Dobbins overall. The Rashad Bateman news, which we didn't actually talk about. But Bateman, uh, the mm-hmm. first round pick for the Ravens this year left practice uh, with a pretty sizable gimp after injuring his leg. He was one of the, mm-hmm. the breakouts for the Ravens training camp. Yeah. For,
2: for our live show, we just got a news update to RotoWire on Bateman here. So I was going to save it for my second dilemma. Cause I mentioned him in there.
1: Okay. All right. Well, sorry, then we'll, we'll get there. Um, but that's one of those scenarios where mm-hmm. if the passing game could take even a slightly bigger step than we saw last year, which is obviously a pretty fallback year from his MVP season. That's going to be trend. Uh, yep. Tremendous news for Dobbins. I like him. And then it depends on what format, like, okay. So I took Kittle uh, in the third round in the NFFC. And Mm -hmm. I kind of forgot NFFC tends to fade tight ends a little bit more. You could have maybe had him in the fourth round. If that's Mm -hmm. the scenario, if I was aware of that, I would go with Justin Jefferson, but in most formats, especially for those out there, I think Kittle makes complete sense of those big three tens. You mentioned you're basically locking up one of the best ones in the league. uh, And you're taking away a complicated factor in round seven through 10, where, you know, you need to get a guy, but you don't know which one's going to be right. And when you need to go ahead and aggressively get that Mm -hmm. guy, like your Noah Fant, Dallas Goddard, for example, Rob Gronkowski. I'm just avoiding that entirely. If I can, I'll get Waller. I'll get TJ Hawkinson. I'll get Kittle. And that takes that whole question mark area away from me.
2: Yep. So here's what I did and why we'll run through this here a little bit. Of course, Dobbins was my main guy. Now, Swift, Entered the thought process a little bit, but that ended up. That idea ended up getting tossed Ooh. out. Yep, <laughs> you're not going to take Swift over Dobbins, you know that. I'll take them both. Give me yeah, all three. You take them. So you, you would you have taken Dobbins and Swift there and yes. skipped Kittle and Jefferson? That's yes. what you would have done, 100%. even when you had Christian McCaffrey number one. Yep,
1: sounds RB, great to me. RB, I RB, have RB, RB, fantastic team.
2: Okay, fair enough. You have fantastic running backs, and the rest is going to hurt. <laughs> but so what I did is, uh, so yeah, Swift kind of came out of my. Uh, you know, out of my, out of my thought process there. Yep. And I ended up going Dobbins for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. Um, I'm not scared by this co-starter thing with Edwards. Like you said, it's just to motivate younger players or manage his workload. Both of both of which I'm okay with the Ravens doing for now. Again, I like Dobbins. I think he can be a breakout player in this upcoming football season. Then it came down to Kittle or Jefferson. And I went with Kittle for a couple of reasons. One, Waller had been taken three picks before and Kelsey went in the first round, right? So if I can get the last of a tier in a draft, yeah, I'm always going to do that because then the run can happen afterwards and we'll be okay. Um, so I took him for that reason. Number one, I always want to get one of those top three tight ends. Number two, um, Jefferson had just went down with an AC joint shoulder injury in camp. Now it looks like he's going to come back in a couple of days, I don't necessarily know if that's going to change my mind, but being a little banged up like that, you know, i just, I'd rather, again, we're almost a full month away from the, uh, from the season opener here. So, um, you know, we've got time, maybe these injuries don't matter and I shouldn't put too much stake in that. But that swayed me off Jefferson a tiny bit, um, as well as the fact that, you know, counting ahead, and looking in receivers, your game-changing receivers last year, your Ridley's, your Diggs, those were all taken in the fourth and fifth rounds. So I was hoping that maybe I can strike lightning at the wide receiver position by letting it go for the first three rounds and coming back. And last but not least, listen, I'm not trying to make any kind of uh any kind of political statement here whatsoever here, but you've got Jefferson playing for the least vaccinated team in in the league. And what whether you believe in it or not, you know, that's you, that's I guess your prerogative. But the thing is, is they're more likely statistically to have some kind of shutdown or have an extra surprise bye week in there. So when you have really close decisions there, um, I'm generally going to fade Vikings and maybe a little, maybe maybe a little Packer bias, just a little bit. But but uh, you know I try to be as unbiased as I can. I was almost going to take uh, Jefferson. I, I thought about it really hard, but I ended up taking the last of the tier and getting my RB two, sticking to my guns of taking two running backs in the first four picks. And, um, and, and I'm really you, happy you, with how the team's turning out.
1: You poo-pooed my opinion on the uh, COVID thing last week when I mentioned with Adam Thielen. So now you're on that train. Mm-hmm.
2: It hasn't gotten any better. I, I feel like well, I'm was not going to get better. They're, they're yeah. very
1: staunch and that they're mm-hmm. not going to take the vaccine, which fine. I whatever. figured a
2: handful of them would cave and it just doesn't look like it's uh, a yeah, cousin I
1: mean. wants to walk around with plexiglass everywhere he goes. Why do you think it was going to change? Mm-hmm.
2: That is, uh, that is quite hilarious. I can't, I'm so happy as, you know, you know. People in the Midwest here, everyone was all worried about the Aaron Rodgers story for the last couple months. Now there's another organization to laugh at, and it is the Vikings.
1: Thank you. I, I agree with that. I always, when when that report surfaced, and again, for those not familiar, Kirk Cousins uh, is pretty staunch in the fact that he's not going to take the vaccine. You mentioned it, Jake. We're not trying to be political on the show. I, I completely understand and, and agree with you on that one. Um when that happens, you're going to have situations where that quarterback room is vulnerable to uh, missing time, which we saw earlier in training camp. So when reporters came and questioned Kirk Cousins after he was off the reserve COVID list, uh, I, I don't think he tested positive. One of the other people in the room did. Mm-hmm. He was like, I'm not going to get the vaccine. I'm just going to go ahead and walk around with plexiglass everywhere I can go, or we'll go ahead and practice outside in 19 degree weather in Minnesota, mm-hmm. as opposed to getting the vaccine where I have to be indoors with people and everything else like that. And I pictured it like how I met your mother. I'm not sure if you watch that show, Jake or not. I'm I feel like most of America has watched it, whether they liked it or not. Mm-hmm. And Ted Mosby, for a long time, was doing that uh, Halloween thing where he's got the the ticket, the hanging Chad costume. And I'm just picturing plexiglass all of our Kirk Cousins in that instance. Maybe maybe it's not a good analogy, but that's always yeah. I was no. Thinking.
2: It makes me think of the classic film uh, with Jake Gyllenhaal, Bubble Boy. If anyone remembers that.
1: No, you, you've outdated mm, me on that one. Yeah, oh, I don't know.
2: Just just a terrible movie when he was starting <laughs> off his career. And uh, yeah, the, the premise is he walks around in a plastic bubble because, I don't know, he got some sickness or something along
1: those lines. There's easily a way you could make that movie in 2021 and it'd be... Uh, a really meta thriller for sure. Uh, yeah, they, okay. should
2: just, they should just reboot, but keep Jake Gyllenhaal. I think <laughs> yeah, that'd be hilarious.
1: That be pretty good. Especially after his comments about how he doesn't like shower or something like that. I think I saw that trending on Twitter the other day. Okay. We, we've, we've, you've got me yeah, off the we've rails. We've gone off the rails. All right. On, uh,
2: let's bring it back in. You <laughs> got a draft day dilemma, right, Joe?
1: No, I don't. I, I have, mm-hmm. I, I guess, I guess I had a draft mm-hmm. day dilemma. Did you also. have
2: any big dilemmas in the NFFC draft yeah, last night? Yeah, we can so do all I, mine, I guess, but no, no, you know, I mean,
1: it's, it's true So. I I forget at times that the NFFC format is a lot different than any other one, which makes it really Mm -hmm. compelling and really challenging. And that's why I love doing these drafts. Uh, Very thankful I got to do a a beat Joe Bartle league this year. Um, But the the conundrum ended up being that third to fourth round turn. So in the NFFC, it's third round reversal. Back end of the draft gets to pick once more. In hindsight, Mm -hmm. in, in NFFC, you could actually choose where you want to pick in hindsight. I would have rather went picks 10, 11, 12. I had the second pick, which was fine. Get Dalvin cook. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came back with Deandre Swift to pick 24. Which is okay. Joe Mixon was afterwards. Chris Carson was afterwards or sorry, not, not Carson. It was later on, but then mm-hmm. the swing ends up. All right. Do you want wide receiver? Do you want tight end? Or do you want to go quarterback or something else? And I ended up taking George Kittle in the third round, which is okay. The plan being, what do I do in the fourth round? David Montgomery ended up being my selection. I took three running backs within the first four picks. Guys afterwards, Chris Godwin, Tyler Lockett, Cooper Cup, DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson. My thought was I'm going to zig really when everyone else seemed to be zagging. Most of the first 24 picks, 36 picks, ended up being wide receiver. And I thought, okay, I'm going to get three of the four best running backs I possibly can for my draft spot and make it work. In hindsight, I ended up having to scramble for most of my draft to fill those wide receiver needs. I think I worked it out at the end. Guys like John Brown, Tyrell Williams, uh, Christian Kirk, my wide receivers six, six, through eight, and it was fine enough, but that conundrum ends up being David Montgomery, Chris Godwin, um, or even like a TJ Hawkinson or Kyler Murray. What mm-hmm. direction would you want to go there, Jake?
2: So can so you say the options again? I was trying to, I'm trying to read this draft board and I'm looking at you, uh, and I'm looking at, at, uh, at, at, Kittle, which, you know, seemed logical to me, but can you give me the options one more time? Yeah. So
1: I'll go David, like, this is what ended up happening. David Montgomery, Kyler Murray, um, like a Chase Claypool or a Miles Sanders, and I, like Miles and David Montgomery, obviously two of the top four running backs. But mm-hmm. that that direction, how would you go in that fourth round into the fifth?
2: I'm out on Miles Sanders. I think I'm worried about the offense just sputtering. I haven't heard many good things about Hertz, and I also just think that the way that that team is ran. There'll be multiple running backs involved, and and Sanders could be a threat to lose his job and end up being in that purgatory that we talked about, where it's dead weight on your roster. Mm-hmm. You can't cut him. Nobody will trade him at his lowest price point ever, and and you're just stuck here. So honestly, in the NFFC, I know Murray gets most of his points from rushing, and, and An that's NFFC the NFFC is
1: six points per passing touchdown. And NFFC is six yep. points
2: for passing touchdown. But I think you have to, again, know your format and go quarterback there. I think that would be my play um, with Murray because Claypool's all right, but he could be wide receiver three on his team. Um, You know, I'm looking at. uh, Well, what about Godwin? Like
1: Montgomery, Godwin, or Murray?
2: I would probably rank them Murray, Godwin, Montgomery. Okay, so you, um, went, you
1: said, no, Joe, you went completely the wrong direction. I yeah. would have went wide receiver. Well, because what,
2: more, uh, hang on, I'm, I'm, I'm going back to your thing. You ended up with Delvin Cook and DeAndre Swift to start here. So yeah. I'm thinking you need receivers in this format. It's a three wide receiver, right? Yes. Yep. And, and you I'm already fine. got your two running backs and now. I always try to draft for value in the first six, seven rounds here. I'm not necessarily worried about filling out my roster spot, but to get uh, maybe tiered, you got quarterback tiers. Think of it this way. You got Mahomes in a tier by himself, right? And then it's the next set of guys. And I think Murray's in that tier Uh, to get the last, to either get one of the last of the tier at quarterback and possibly start a quarterback run or, or just start solidifying the wide receiver before you commit to a running back in your flex spot every week. I think uh, I would have gone probably the other direction there, and it's not necessarily anything that has to do with Montgomery. It's just more or less the uh, the structure of the team in general.
1: Okay. Well, one other point that I want to bring up with this, you talk about quarterback tiers. I agree with you. Where would you have Russell Wilson among that quarterback tier? Is he in a similar vein to Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, or is he in the Rodgers – uh tom brady i see around that range russell and then maybe you could have like mm-hmm. a herbert too
2: so if we got mahomes number one and then we go Allen murray lamar jackson Allen murray lamar jackson i think could be their own tier their, their tier okay all right it's basically you call it the rushing quarterback tier i mean they're sure. going to be valuable for that reason yeah i i agree and then and then in any order after that you put Herbert, Prescott, Wilson and Rodgers. Yeah, that's Prescott, your next so. tier. That's East your fir- sure. that's your tier 3 I think and and that's how I organized those. So okay. getting one of the last in the tier um
1: I ended up getting Louisville Russell Wilson in round 8 and I felt very happy with that and then followed it up with a quarterback 2. Russell Wilson in round 8? Round 8 for Russell Wilson. Man. Like, that's good value, right? Like that's I was that is excellent value. Yeah. See,
2: in in the in the draft I was going to do, you know, a sneak peek ahead. I ended up taking uh, Lockett, and uh, was hoping to get Russell Wilson fall back to me in the sixth round, and this isn't even a uh, in the sixth seventh turn, right? I was going to mm-hmm. take Wilson at that spot, and th- and um, and I wasn't even um, I-, I was confident that he was going to get back. This isn't even a six point passing touchdown league, but Russell Wilson got taken in this league a couple picks before me with the tenth pick in the sixth round, so I missed out on pairing him up with Lockett, and uh, and and now i I'm going to be back to the drawing board when it's time here.
1: Yeah, there's. it's not like I really target any specific quarterback, any of the Rodgers, uh, Herberts, Wilsons, I'm fine with. Maybe it's the Stafford and Brady that I tend to avoid in that range, but I thought at that point it was tremendous value, and again, Lawrence followed up mm-hmm. the quarterback too. I want to go back to your uh, dilemma, though, that you have a number two draft dilemma, and this is actually probably more catered to the rookie in Dynasty Leagues, am I mm-hmm. right?
2: Yeah, this one will give us a little bit of a chance to um, – to talk about the rookie class and maybe give some sleepers possibly for deeper leagues here. So of course I won our inaugural dynasty league last year. So I was stuck yeah, down of with, the four- you have to just go ahead and throw yep. it out there. Right yep. away. Yeah, you know, we're it. just going no to lead off with
1: Jay, Come on. No, no we money did
2: a little, watch. we did a little side bet for the playoffs <laughs> here. You wouldn't know. Cause you weren't there. I was, so- <laughs> I just got bounced the first round. <laughs> you just got bounced the first <laughs> round. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, though, that means I ended up with a 14th overall pick here. Um, Some background, I've got Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry indefinitely, which I love for that league. And it was time to beef up the wide receiver position. I needed a surefire wide receiver. Um, Jamar Chase surprisingly went number one overall. Devontae Smith was the next receiver taken followed by Jalen Waddle and Elijah Moore. And then a lot of quarterbacks went in the first round too. There are premium on quarterbacks in this type of format when the rosters are so deep and you can keep quarterbacks indefinitely here. So with Chase, Smith, Waddle, and Moore all off the board, I had narrowed it down to three different players. One was Rashad Bateman, who was drafted in round one, 27 overall by the Ravens. Two was Rondale Moore, who was drafted in round two, 49th overall by the Cardinals. Three was Terrence Marshall drafted in round two, 59 overall by the Panthers here. I'll give you a chance to guess what I did or say what I should have done. And then I'll give you my reasoning behind those three guys and why I took who I took.
1: Yeah. For those listening for this podcast, we did this draft back, I think even before or directly mm-hmm. after the NFL draft itself. So we have hindsight now to see Elijah Moore, you know, killing it with Jets camp. Rashad Bateman was looking great prior to this injury as well, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terrace Marshall has actually been a, a surprise standout for the Panthers as well, too. Uh, and a guy that I was upset I could not draft in the MFFC. I, he, got, he got sniped a few picks before. I would have mm-hmm. went Bateman if I was you at the back end of that first round, I think, from a value perspective. And maybe it's the Big Ten bias where right? he came from Minnesota. We've seen him play a little bit more. Mm-hmm. That, that player, if there's an upside play, uh, out of those three wide receivers, I think it's Bateman who gives mm-hmm. you the top echelon of wide receiver one territory.
2: Yeah, so just um, just to kind of fill in on our teaser from earlier, uh, Bateman is currently week to week with a groin injury. He left today's practice, so that's making it a little bit concerning for me. Obviously, I did not know about that back then. That didn't right. factor into the decision at all. I'm just kind of updating us here. He fell to the ground on a slant route and limped up, up to the sideline. Um Expected to be, quote, out a while, but not a crazy length of time. So that's going to fall his, I mean, his ADP in redraft re- leagues over the last couple of weeks was, um, oh, geez, I still have it on all quarterbacks. Let's uh, <laughs> let's take a look. I was going to throw that. But anyway, um, his ADP was, I would be guessing, um, it's 146. So you're in barely cut line draftable territory, right? Um, but anyway, here is my thought process on Bateman here. Not that he can't necessarily advance up the depth chart, but in my eyes, he is the fourth, maybe even the fifth, pass-catching option on a team that does not like to pass at all. This is one where... The team context completely ruined it for me. Obviously, after winning last year, I know I can do it again. I have to think of the immediate future here as to who can help, who can be likely to contribute right away. So I ended up passing on Bateman. And looking at this Ravens depth chart, I'll just kind of give you a a rundown here of where my thought process went. Um, You know, Marquise Goodwin, he could fall down the depth chart. That's entirely possible. Marquise Goodwin, that's not what I mean. I meant Marquise Brown. Apologies there. Marquise Brown, number one on the depth chart in theory until he kind of fizzles out at some point. Sammy Watkins is involved in that team. I don't know how involved he's going to be. In theory, Mark Andrews would be the third pass-catching option on that team. And you could even argue, we both love J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins could be the fourth pass-catching option on that team. So that would put Bateman down as for at least the 2021 season as the fifth pass-catching option on a team with one of the worst Pass rates in the National Football League. If they have their way, they will run it 50 times a game. If their defense holds up and allows them to do that, that's what they will do. And I don't necessarily see that changing in the next couple of years, especially if they sign Lamar Jackson to that big extension that he's that he's angling for. Um, you know, he's gonna maybe try to get that Baker Mayfield money a couple years, you know, before no, his Josh contract Allen is money. due, or the Josh Allen money. I'm sorry, Baker Mayfield's trying to get, trying Josh to get the Josh money Allen too. Yeah. money too. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, I apologize. Yeah, but anyway, um, so for those reasons, team contacts completely ruined it for me. I'll go to the next one by draft order, and the next one I evaluated was Ron Dale Moore. Uh, here's an interesting one. He's also a little bit further down the depth chart, but I trust the offense a bit more. Um, and also, you know, if you go to Arizona, you look at the guys in front of him, pretty shaky injury history here, right? I mean, DeAndre Hopkins has been steady, but Christian Kirk's been injured off and on. AJ Green is a guaranteed walking injury every single year. So I don't necessarily worry so much about him being fourth on the depth chart. But, you know, what did worry me necessarily was the fact that the stature. He is listed as five foot seven, one hundred and eighty-one pounds. And that would be, if he can succeed in this league, that would make him a pretty big outlier in terms of guys that are um you, you know that that are able to succeed even at the slot receiver position. And listen, some of that is coming true to some degree here. Um, he's not on the field for Friday's pre- or for last week's practices for undisclosed reasons. He departed practice last Thursday. Uh, excuse me. Last Thursday, due to a precautionary issue, I just—I don't think he was going to return value early, and I don't think that he's necessarily physically ready to hold up to the NFL. Of course, he could prove me wrong very much, but I wasn't ready to use that pick on him. Which brings me to Terrence Marshall with a with a guy that I did take Terrence. I'm sorry not Terrence uh Marshall round 259 overall to the Panthers I saw this as an immediate advancement opportunity to sneak in and be the wide receiver three um Robbie Anderson is going to be an unrestricted free agent after this year and DJ Moore is only signed for one year after and in that year after in 2022 DJ Moore would be an 11.1 million dollar cap hit I believe I saw Terrace Marshall stepping in to Curtis Samuel's role um, as a slot receiver. Now, the other question is, of course, they fall number three if you rank all these teams' quarterbacks here. But you know how I feel about Sam Darnold. I think he's a, yeah, a slightly sure. underrated quarterback that's had to deal with horrible, horrible situations for his time in this league. So I think we can see improvement at the quarterback position. I think there's a room to advance Terrace Marshall in uh, to be fantasy-relevant this season, and then he's set up for the long-term term with how that position group looks. So that's the that's the move that I ended up making over Bateman, and uh, I'm feeling good about it now, but at the time, it was a much tougher decision.
1: Yeah, and again, Terrace is looking pretty darn good in Panthers camp right now. He's almost guaranteed the spot as the slot wide receiver for the Panthers, and say what you will about that offense, um, I, or Sam Darnold in particular, I think there's going to be plenty of opportunities, even with CMC back, for the Panthers to be passing often, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, both were 1,000-yard receivers last season. Maybe that workload gets cut a little bit with Terrace being an effective guy. And in your position as somebody that's trying to defend his reigning championship, uh yeah, I, I think that's the one that becomes the most immediate play. I still believe Bateman has the highest upside, but I would go Bateman, Terrace, and then Rondell in your situation the most. That's how I'd rank it for mm-hmm. me keeper and dynasty perspective if you have any keeper or dynasty questions certainly feel free to reach out to either jake or i that's probably uh two of mm-hmm. our i mean that's that is our favorite like the, the football i would say fantasy football <laughs> yep. uh playing was i wanted to say auction leagues too but like that's different i we both play mm-hmm. plenty of keeper and dynasty so yeah absolutely. you talk about your crappy keeper See. league all the time it's, it's yeah fantastic
2: yeah, I mean the the league that I'm referring to is a dynasty draft. Where I mean, you're taking Terrace Marshall 14 overall because it's a rookie free agent yep. draft, right? Whole different setup than you keep two guys and carry them over year to year. You know, we're keeping our entire roster indefinitely. Joe, you're excellent. You play in the dynasty orange league. You've played not no leagues. You know, you know all about this stuff. If you ask me the question on Twitter, I'll give you an answer, but it's most likely. Going to be me looking at Mario Puig's work in Dynasty, his rankings, his articles, because he puts out some of the best NFL Dynasty contact out there on the Internet, period. So, uh, you know, I'll use that to give you a good answer here.
1: I agree. Um, We'll have to skip your last dilemma uh, and go over to. A bit more of the auto or sorry, not the auto, but the NFFC draft that I did. I do mm-hmm. want to get a word from our sponsors, the, uh, from auto new first, before we do that, I
2: just plugged them. So there we go. <laughs> yeah, there you
1: go. Auto new fantasy football league. Let's you build your fantasy football dynasty, like a real GM. It's a better fantasy football, uh, format auction-based deep rosters, and college player prospects. You can stash the next rookie of the year while he's still tearing up on Saturdays, or you can trade for superstars to make a championship push, develop a team over multiple years, play against the best fantasy football competition on the internet. Visit ott.oneu.com ucom today to get into the auto new Fantasy ball leagues, they are one of my favorite formats out there. I think they're incredibly underrated. I know they're a sponsor for us, but uh, if I, even if we weren't working with them, I'd be gladly playing those. I'm in two different leagues now. I like the auction format. I like the fact that you can bid on college players. And there's a lot more strategy involved with a combination of those than I see elsewhere in Fantasy ball. So if you really are looking for a different challenge, I would recommend the guys over at O-T-T-O-N-E-U, autonew.com. Uh, and then we also have a word from our sponsors, Quick Blue Wire.
3: are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare care provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare care regimen, including EE system.
1: All right, we're back from the show here. Uh, rounding things out last five, 10 minutes or so, I did because I teased. It's only because, Jake, I teased it so well that we had so many people on Twitter asking what the NFFC draft looked like that mm-hmm. I feel like we have to spend a little bit of time talking about. Yes. Yeah, hopefully, that. hopefully, I will have a chance to write my article tonight. My, my plan was to do it last night right after the draft was fresh. And then we had uh, you know, solo parenting duties for basically all of last night and into this morning, too. So it was a, a little bit of a struggle with the five-week-old baby, but we made it through. Um, it was it was interesting so the reason why i thought the first round in particular was crazy i had the number two pick again in the NFFC format you can choose where you want to pick um, and i was lucky to get number two in hindsight i would have rather had the back end of the first round that 10 11 12 range. Because that third round reversal, Mm -hmm. I think that ended up playing a part in some of these people's drafts. And in fact, Mm -hmm. either we have people listening or follow me on Twitter right now that were a part of it. And I'll be curious if you guys listen to the show afterwards Mm -hmm. to kind of give me your strategy. What was your reasoning behind some of the picks? Mm -hmm. But the head scratcher immediately started with number three pick ended up being Travis Kelsey.
3: Christian McCaffrey,
1: Delvin Cook, number one and two, no problem. But Kelsey at number three might be one of the highest NFFC picks I have ever seen for him. That's yeah. stunning
2: to me. Yeah, that's a little bit stunning for me. C four. we were talking about this before the show. For me, the first three picks in just about any single draft, at least with any PPR component, you, you go McCaffrey, Cook, and Kamara. I think that's both set in stone. You could probably talk me in to Derrick Henry at number three if it is a complete zero PPR format. I can live with that, okay? So I think those first three picks are set. Then after that, if you wanted to sneak – Devonte adams or travis kelsey into that i'd at least hear your argument i would probably prefer nick chubb if i'm taking it if i'm making that pick there but uh those guys do start to come into play here and uh given what you told me about the tight end discount kind of in the nffc i was a little bit surprised to see that happen go so so early
1: and then that throws off the entirety of the first round and it, and it really did i think I honestly believe, again, there was people that were participating in this league that are following me on Twitter right now. This was a Beat Joe Barter League, so I, I assume some people were looking forward to that challenge. Mm-hmm. You guys weigh and I was thrown off, and I had already made my pick. Like, I wasn't going to make it for another 10 minutes or so at the mm-hmm. back end of the second round. But Kelsey, number three, immediately followed into Aaron Jones at number four. Again, Ezekiel Elliott, <laughs> Kamara, Derrick Henry, Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams are all available, and Aaron Jones goes number four. And I get it. If you are an Aaron Jones stand, you really like Aaron Jones. If you have the number four pick, you're not going to be able to get him. I mean, he's not making it back to the second round, so you might as well do it now. But that felt aggressively high to me.
2: Yeah, it's a little bit high, but it also comes into the uh, philosophy of you're going to go and get your guy, right? Because... We all like Aaron Jones enough that you know if you're fourth overall and you're coming back here in this draft, you're not going to um you're not going to get Aaron Jones. I don't think. You're really shaking the dice. And uh this way you make sure you get your guy and uh and you're happy with it. Now, Aaron Jones has been consistently um, a top producer under Aaron Rodgers. He's completely underrated. He's been such a good part of this offense. And you lose, what, like 130 touches or something along those lines from Jamal Williams last year? I didn't look it Which up. A. I just AJ Dillon probably ball.
1: takes. I AJ mean,
2: Dillon takes some of them, but you think AJ Dylan's going to take all of them, especially the
1: passes caught? I think you can make a one-to-one comparison that AJ Dillon takes, at least the snaps. Now, does that workload get funneled into a Randall Cobb? Instead yep. of something like that, I don't know. But My do theory is Dillon he'll take this, most of those Williams. he'll
2: take the snaps, maybe 100% of the snaps left behind, but I don't think it's going to be 100% of the touches. So, anyway, we yeah, can Yeah, but Aaron Jones
1: can't get the touches if AJ Dillon is taking all the Jamal Williams t- like snaps.
2: Yeah, I, I guess we'll see. I think uh, we're going to see a lot of Aaron Jones this year. This is, you know, Matt LaFleur wants to run the ball. We're going to see a lot of Aaron Jones. This offensive line looks good. They they got their Lindsay rep- replacement stepping in at center. Uh, You know, another rookie, but he's been awesome in camp. Anyway, we can talk about Packers running backs for days, <laughs> but let's go ahead and run uh, through the rest of this draft because in my eyes, Kamara is a pretty obvious choice at three. That's what the ADP says, and I'm in agreement with it, but he didn't go five. And then he didn't go six either.
1: He went number seven. I mean, I couldn't imagine if I had the number seven spot, which I believe, and I will still stand to this uh, probably at the end of August. That seven, eight range, if you're in a normal draft, is the worst spot to be in Mm -hmm. because you have to decide between do I want to take a wide receiver like Killer Adams if they're left, which is probably yes. Do I want to dip into the Austin Eckler range or Saquon Barkley range? or Nick Chubb range. Well, I don't know. I mean, they're all kind of a step down. There are so many question marks that happens in that seven and eight spot. And to be gifted Elvin Kamara at that point, and I'm lower on Kamara mm-hmm. the most, that's still stunning to me. Yeah. Like yeah. literally just walking into a gold mine. I felt like a pick set. Yeah.
2: No, excuse my head creeping up to the screen here. I'm trying to see this, uh, this blurry screenshot we're dealing with. But um, number seven I just looked at his team like his first five, first four picks at least. He's got the best team in this draft by a mile here. He gets Kamara, then he gets AJ Brown, then he gets Darren Waller going in, you know, my get one of your three tight end philosophies. And then he gets Deontay Johnson, who I absolutely love this year. Uh, Deontay Johnson is somebody who we skipped over my third dilemma in the interest of time, but he was the easiest part of that pick two out of three dilemma here. He's going to be a target monster. There were some, a few drop concerns last year that can all be fixed. His routes are pristine. He gets open. He will be thrown to so many times. I'm not worried about Juju coming back. I'm not, you know, you take out some of those Claypool big games and, you know, he was just kind of average the rest of those weeks. Deontay Johnson is the wide receiver to own in Pittsburgh. And I'm happy to take him, uh, in the fourth round. I ended up taking him in the, uh, in the back end of the fourth round, but, uh, or no, I took him at the last pick of the fourth round, or I guess you could say interchangeable with the first pick of the fifth round. I'm very, very pleased to get him in that area.
1: I got so excited about you talking about Deontay Johnson. I just had to punch my mic. There's there's no yep. reason <laughs> to throw hands up in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when I'm you- in
2: that media room, I'm always adjusting the, the mic here. I, <laughs> I fidgeted. It like fell off once, and now I'm paranoid about it, and I'm always going like this. <laughs> yeah. This one's not on a crane. It's on the ground, so we're good to go.
1: I, I differ on Deontay Johnson, but that's probably a different podcast. Maybe the guys that we differ the most could be mm-hmm. a great theme for future weeks as we kind of struggle through yeah. the rest of this preseason. I um, rostered
2: him last year in this exact format and he was so productive down the stretch. I fell in love.
1: Okay. All right. Well just an overall for the NFC and again, I'm, I'm hoping to have this article up tonight on the site. Uh, I think it'll be free. At least there shouldn't be a paywall for it. And, you know, I'm not a cool enough writer to have paywall stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, the strategy I'll take was, it
2: for you, if it isn't
1: <laughs> good, thank you. Uh, there's, <laughs> It was tough because I thought a lot of people want wide receiver heavy. In fact, both teams eight and nine took three wide receivers each to start their drafts. Uh, A number of different teams, those middle portions took either three of their first four picks were wide receiver or four just outright. Uh, So I thought, okay, if I see that, the natural thing Mm -hmm. is to zig when somebody else is zagging. So that was the reason why I took David Montgomery as my fourth pick and my third running back. George Kittle was in the third round, fine enough. Really that the issue that I feel like I'm going to be frustrated with or I don't know. I actually might be talking myself into it more as yeah. we talk is Kyle Pitts in round six. That made two tight ends. <laughs> this is not a super flex league. You do have a flex. A tight end can fit that spot, but especially with my need at wide receiver, that that was like a weird turn for me. Mm-hmm. And I honestly feel like Kyle Pitts, when he's being drafted in rounds four and five is overvalued at round six. That was the best value to me because yeah. afterwards it's Kenny Galladay juice, Smith Schuster, Elijah Moore, Jarvis Landry. Those were the wide receivers mm-hmm. taken as much as I need a wide receiver. I'm passing on yeah. that.
2: I imagine if you knew you could get pits in round six, you would have taken Godwin in round three, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I mean, there was no reason to assume that. Suspect was gonna that.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. Um, yeah, no, you're going to have a tough. And then you had feeling, was that maybe a panic pick in round five? Like, Oh shoot. I need knew no, it, wasn't, it
1: wasn't a panic. It was more of a, ah, oh, fuck. You know, like, maybe I can't even say that. I was like, Oh darn. I didn't, I didn't want to make that pick overall. And then, I guess I'll have to go ahead and do it because we need wide receivers. And again, he's, he's yeah. also refusing the vaccine, which makes me a little bit worried in the same yeah. thing.
2: I don't but mind DJ Shark in round seven. So you built a couple of okay? You, you rebounded okay, and then you kind of went quantity over quality the rest of the way out.
1: Yeah, and I I like – there's a lot of value, whether it be John Brown, Tyrell Williams, who's going to be my guy that I roster in probably 100% of the leagues right now, and Christian Kirk. There was value at wide receiver later on, and that made me more comfortable taking those three – Valdez quarters. Scanling yeah. at the end. Yeah, I had you know that's a total. They're loving factor.
2: his hands this year. They're loving his hands this year. I mean,
1: it's going to be interesting. Uh, my wife asked me, "This is my third time now doing one of these Joe Bartle leagues. How did you feel about your draft?" And most of the times, I have to be like, "Oh, uh, you know, I made a mistake." I remember very distinctively my first year. I had Lamar Jackson queued up. The auto draft was going to be taking uh, somebody else. There was no reason they're going to go another quarterback. So I had Lamar Jackson next to go. And for some reason, the team right before me, who was on auto draft, took him. And that was, of course, his MVP year. I always wonder would have things changed money wise if I had made that selection. I think this that's like a is main event good. kind
2: of move that really oh, elevates the team new and new. Yeah. We we talked about this in our quarterback or when we were doing draft tips a couple weeks ago, you know, to win your league, the league winning move isn't to take a quarterback in the top three rounds. The league winning move yeah. is to find the guy in rounds eight, nine, and 10. That's going to finish in the top of fantasy scoring. Cause I'll remind everybody one more time. We'll, we'll just preach here a little bit that in the last three years, the top overall score has not come from the top 10 in ADP.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And again, Russell Wilson around eight. I think that was a, an ex- exaggerated mm-hmm. situation. I but can't Trevor even get Lawrence, him in
2: round six. I'm about to take Justin Herbert. I'm on the clock here.
1: Justin. Uh, well, yeah, Justin. But Trevor Lawrence around 11, too. I think those are tremendous values that you have. I don't know. This will be one of those. I have to move, make a lot of right moves throughout the season. But I do think there's depth in places that I never really had mm-hmm. before at tight end at running back. It'll be a league that I'm, I'm going to be very interested yeah. to follow. And, you know, hopefully good things will happen and we can yep. be in the in the money for this and yeah. less people will get free RotoWire subscriptions mm-hmm. because that's how it goes in <laughs> these yeah. beat uh beat Giving AJ money. the
2: the Hasla customer service over there. <laughs> yeah. No, you can't you can't win a league on draft night. You certainly can lose a league on draft night. I don't think you did enough to lose it, so I'll give you that much. Oh, thanks, much. Jake. Thanks. I'll give you that much.
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, we're going to have a lot more drafts yet to come. Obviously, the stake league uh, for Roto-Wire is a huge thing in the industry. I feel like a lot of people follow along with that, and uh, I'm excited for last year we got to break that news right afterwards. We did the podcast for it. I don't think it's going to shake out this way the same way, but I, I know we have a few leagues that we could kind of double back on uh, mm-hmm. in future podcasts and at least give you guys a bit of an ADP or at least why we chose to go this way. And here's our thought process, but that'll probably do it for the, here's our drafts and what happened in them kind of podcast show as we meander through the rest of the preseason, you know, editions of this.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, before they do the cutoff for underdog best ball leagues, I still want to get one of those going with you guys and the listeners. So I'm going to try to get that going. Well, I, should, I should be able to do that tomorrow or Thursday. So stay oh, tuned. Oh, you're going to that just run. exclude
1: me? Wow. How'd no, I right?
2: said you and the listeners. I'm going to try to get a league going where you, you just quit. want to actually, and win. I'll tweet the way. link and I'll tweet the link and you know, you know, after watching the NFFC draft, I see an easy mark here, so let's go.
1: <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, again, guys, check out rotoware.com slash try to get a 10-day free trial to the site. Of course, you get the software that can download for your drafts. So you have your rankings already set up. And if you're not even interested in fantasy football, why well, are you listening to the show? First off, okay, <laughs> fine.
2: You like us. That's why. <laughs> you, cool. like, you, love, you love this beard. That's exactly. Why. That's this it. This beard you and know. the shiny head. That, that's, that, that's, that's the perfect. reason.
1: Or you can just go on our NBA coverage, our baseball coverage, anything else. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're company people all around. So thanks for tuning in to the podcast. We'll see you guys again next week.
0: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines.